Well, uh, before we read the Christmas story, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read about a great, great story, okay? Let's pray. Happy birthday, Jesus. We've all gathered together to say happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you for coming to save sinners. Thank you. Jesus, you said that you would send your spirit when we ask, and so I pray that you would send your spirit so that as we read the Christmas story, that those that have heard it many times, that the wonder of our Savior and the wonder of salvation might fill us anew. And, and Holy Spirit, I pray you would come, and, and for many, tonight would be the night where the lights come on and the coin drops and, and you open eyes and soften hearts and draw many to you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It was Christmas, and uh, a defendant comes before a judge, and uh, the judge is kind of in a merry mood, and he says, why are you here tonight? And, and the man said, well, I was shopping too early. And the judge says, well, that's not a crime, shopping too early. How early were you shopping? And he said, well, before the store opened. <laughs> There's a lot of people shopping like that in America today, right? They're smashing and, and robbing, right? Oh, listen, I have never seen America so divided, uh, so angry, so fearful, so hopeless. That's bad. No, that's good. People have never been more open to hearing good news. Do you know what we're going to hear tonight? Do you know what the message of Christmas is? Do not be afraid. Don't you think churches are going to be filled with people all over our country this evening to hear good news to hear, do not be afraid? And why shouldn't we be afraid? This is what we're going to unpack today. The point of the message tonight is that Jesus saves us from our sins. We're going to learn that the Bible says that our problem is sin and that the solution is a Savior. So let me ask you, anybody in here want to be forgiven? Have you ever done anything you would like to be forgiven of? Listen, you can because Jesus saves us from our sins. Anyone in here tonight, there are struggles in your life. You've been trying and trying and trying to change your life and you failed and you wonder, could anyone help? Yes, you can change because Jesus saves us from our sins. Anyone in here saying, there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. There's got to be a purpose to life. Listen, there is. Listen, Jesus saves us from our sin. Anyone in here, you long for the healing of our land and say, gee, could I be a part of the healing of our land? Yes, because Jesus saves us from our sins. Anyone in here want to live forever? Anyone? Listen, you can. That's what Christmas is, that Jesus saves us from our sins. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, uh, the Christmas story. In Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And so we meet Mary. You, you know Mary, right? That, um, that God had promised Adam and Eve the Savior would be born of a woman. 
And God had promised Abraham that the, the Savior would be born, uh, uh, one of his descendants. And so every Jewish girl, every Jewish girl wanted to be the mother of the Savior. And then one day, what? The angel came to Mary and said, what? You're the one. You're the one that God has chosen to be the mother of the Savior. And Mary said, what? How can I be a mother? I'm still a virgin. And remember, the, the angel said, listen, the, the Holy Spirit will take care of it. And, and Mary said, listen, I'm your servant. May it be done to me according to your word. So Mary is, is pregnant. And then we meet Joseph, okay? That's who she's betrothed to. When you say, what's betrothal? In those days, marriages were arranged. They were arranged. So Mary's parents would have arranged the wedding with Joseph's parents. And we go, what? Boo. <laughs> Let me ask you, how well is our romantic view of marriage working? Huh? How well does our plan work? Is it working really good? So what they did is the parents, the parents would have arranged the marriage. And the girls would be 13 or 14 often, and the boys a little older because they needed to be able to support a wife, so the boy might have been 18 or 19. And so they were betrothed, kind of like our engagement, but more binding. It usually lasted for a year, and uh, then the wedding would come, and uh, the marriage would be consummated. So during this time, during this year, Joseph and Mary are uh, betrothed, Mary becomes pregnant. We read in the Bible that she went to her relative Elizabeth and stayed there for three months. So now she's back, so she's probably about four months pregnant. You ever think about that conversation, do you? <laughs> I mean, come on, you're Mary, and you go to Joseph, and you say, what? It's true. It's true I'm pregnant. But it's not what you think. It's not what you... See, this child is really by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> How do you think Joseph responded to that? just like you would or I would, right? You're crazy, right? See, that's what it's saying. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, that means he believed in God and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. So if the one you were betrothed to got pregnant during your betrothal and not by you, the choices were you could have stoned her, that would have been okay, or you could have publicly shamed her by divorcing her publicly, but because Joseph was a believer who loved Mary, he was just going to break the engagement privately. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. <laughs> Don't you love that? Do you know what the most repeated command in the Bible is? Do not be afraid. Isn't it interesting if you turn on the news, what does it tell you? What? Be afraid. Be afraid. But the most repeated command in the Bible is exactly the opposite of our culture. It's do not be afraid. So he says to Joseph, do not be afraid um, to take Mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. N now notice that too. Could we say that our culture is deeply divided over the issue of abortion? And isn't it interesting that, that the angel said what? That your wife, that Mary as your wife for the what? The, the child 
who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, that there was a child in her womb, and it was a special child. It was Jesus. And then he says, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sons. Did you know the name Jesus means God saves? So he was named Savior. Here we see, well, what's our problem, sin? What's God's solution? What's Christmas all about? God's solution for our problem is Jesus, a Savior. He will save us from our sins. Jesus will save us, right? Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God has a plan to save his people. 700 years before, 700 years before, through Isaiah, God said one day God would give a sign that the Savior would be born of a woman, that God would come and live among us. Uh, some people struggle over the virgin birth. I think of these two old ladies. They were talking about this story, and they said, the virgin birth, we can believe. That, that part's believable, believable. But, but three wise men? It's true, ladies, right? I mean, you can believe the virgin birth, but how can you find, what, one wise man? Who would ever find three, right? But listen, don't stumble in the wrong place. Don't stumble over the virgin birth because his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Any way that God became a man would be a miracle, right? Listen, if you're new, I always tell people the most important verse in the Bible is the first one. The most important verse in all the Bible is the first one. If you don't know the first verse, here's the first verse. Here's how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That in the beginning, God spoke and everything that is came into being out of nothing. I believe the first verse. <laughs> Listen, the virgin birth isn't that big of a deal. If God could speak and the universe came into being so God could become a man through a virgin named Mary, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. What we celebrated Christmas was the God who spoke and everything came into being, came to earth and was born a baby. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Ladies, do you like the strong, do you, do you like the strong, quiet kind of guys? Do you notice here Joseph never says what? Never says a word in the whole passage. Matter of fact, I don't think Joseph in the whole New Testament ever says a word. Isn't that interesting? Um, but here's what I want us to understand. Jesus saves us from our sins. Jesus saves us from our sins. That's the message of Christmas. That's verse 21. Did you hear it? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Uh, in our divided, angry, fearful, hopeless culture, everyone agrees on one thing. You know what that is? Everybody in our country agrees on? That our country is broken. Right? I believe everybody in our country agrees our country is broken. We only disagree on what the problem is and what the solution is, right? That's where we disagree. 
And so what Christmas says, what the gospel says, the problem, here's the problem, what's wrong with the world is sin. That's our problem. What's wrong with our country? I am. What's wrong with our country? You are. What's wrong with our country? We all are. We hear our political leaders all the time saying they're the problem. No, we're the problem. In Romans 3, verse 23, let me show you this verse. For what? All have sinned. That means me, right? And you. And all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says we have a sin problem, not a skin problem that we're hearing all the time. No, we have a sin problem. So I want you to know the reason I'm a Christian, the reason I'm a Christian is because the gospel is true. It's true. So the Bible says we're sinners. Let's be backyard scientists for a few moments, okay? And let me ask you, as we look back on history, as we look back on history, is there any evidence in history that we have a sin problem? Is there? Yes, when we look at history, what do we see? War, racism, domestic violence, greed, right? Don't we see that in history? So are we getting better all the time? Are we, are we making progress, are we? You guys there? No. So listen, is there any evidence in the world today, any evidence in the world today that we have a sin problem? Is there? Yes. The world is filled with racism and domestic violence and, and, and greed and wars, right? You ever stop and just think how much of our life confirms what the Bible teaches? We have police. Why? Because people are sinners and to protect us from one another, right? And then we have a judicial system, right? To put people in prison. Why? Because we're sinners. And many of us live in gated communities. Why? Why do we live in gated communities? Because people are sinful. And many of us, that's not enough. So we have security cameras, and that's not enough. So we have locks on our doors, and that's not enough. And so we have dogs and guns, right? Why? Because people are sinful. Huh. Anybody in here like passwords? I forget all of my passwords. Anybody else? Do you ever stop and think, why does everything have a password? Why? Here's why. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, most of us don't have a problem saying that other people are sinners, but listen, it talks about all of us. So, so let's think about ourselves for a moment. In your whole life, did you ever disobey your parents maybe even once? You know, I did. I was a terrible child. I've sinned. Have you? In your whole life, in your whole life, have you ever told a lie, even one? Listen, I've told so many lies. Have you? Listen, I'm a sinner. Are you? In your whole life, have you ever stolen anything? Ever? I've stolen so many things. Have you? We've sinned. In your whole life, have you ever been involved in sex outside of marriage or had a lustful thought? Have you? Aren't we all guilty? Ah, listen, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, <clears throat> the gospel says we've sinned against God, and that's why we're in big trouble. Most people don't understand sin's not about failing. It's about rebelling against God. L let me show you that in, in Psalm 51. Look at this verse. Against you. Did you know we sin against God? That's why sin's a big deal. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
We've done what's evil in God's sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. What makes our sin so bad is we've rebelled against God. Let me illustrate that for you, okay? You're in high school and uh, you get in a fight and you punch another student. So you're probably going to get suspended, right? So they take you down to the principal and it just pops into your, eye, your mind, let me punch the principal. So you punch the principal. Now what's going to happen? You're going to get what? You're going to be expelled. You're going out. You're being let out by the student resource officer, by the deputy to your car. It comes into your mind. Maybe I'll punch him. You punch the deputy. Then what happens? You get arrested. You go to jail. You eventually get out of jail and President Biden comes to town and you punch him. Then what happens? You get shot. But it's the same thing, isn't it? Isn't it the same thing? What makes a difference is what? Who you punch. When you punch another student, you get suspended. When you punch the, pres the, the principal, you get expelled. When you punch the police officer, you get arrested. When you punch the president, you are shot. Have you ever thought, what happens when we punch God in the face? Hmm? Have you ever thought of that? Every time we sin, we swing at God and say, don't tell us how to live. We'll do life our way. And, and we don't have to wonder what the penalty is for punching God in the face. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says the penalty that God has, has, has set for sin is, is hell, which is separation from God and from all good things. You see, in this life, everybody gets to enjoy the sunshine and friends and food, but hell will be separation from God and from all good things. And you say, well, Smiley, this is a real upper. Listen, it's only when we understand the bad news of the gospel that we have sinned against God, we're in big trouble, and we deserve hell. Only then are we ready to hear the good news. You see, the gospel says our problem is sin. And the solution is a savior, a savior. Did you hear that? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You'll call his name Savior, for he will save his people from their sins. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Verse 23, he's Emmanuel, God with us. That child, born of a virgin, was fully God and fully man, unique. He was unique because he had a unique mission. He came to save us from our sins. So God the Son laid aside his glory and was born and, and grew up and, and lived a perfect life and went to the cross and died for our sins. He took the penalty that our sins deserve. He was a man. He could take our place and be our substitute. He was God. His death would be of infinite, infinite value. So what happened on the cross in Romans 5, verse 8, we read, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus took our sins upon himself, and he died in our place, experiencing what we deserve. And listen, he really died, but he didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose. He rose on the third day, and he offers us as a free gift salvation. He offers us salvation. Isn't that verse 21? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
So that raises two questions for me, and what is, one is, what is salvation? What is salvation? And secondly, how do we get it, and how do we get it? Uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 16, there's a, a jailer, and one day he asked Paul and Silas a question. And I think it's a question we should ask on Christmas. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So what is it? What does it mean to be saved, and how can a person be saved? You know what it means to be saved? It means to be forgiven of all of our sins, and it means we're given the opportunity to do life with Jesus and eternity with Jesus. It's to be saved from. It's to be saved for. To be saved is to be saved from our sins and the penalty that our sins deserve, which is hell, is to be saved from that, to do life in eternity with Jesus. So let me ask you again, anybody in here want to be forgiven? You can. That's what it means to be saved. Anybody in here, and you've tried and tried to change, and you just say, I can't do it myself. Is there someone who can help me? Yes. You can be changed because Jesus saves us from our sins. Anybody in here struggling that you're feeling empty, there's got to be more to life. Anybody in here want a purpose big enough to give your life to? Anyone in here want to live forever? You can. That's what it means to be saved. Salvation is to be forgiven and, and getting to do life and eternity with Jesus. The second question is, well, how do we get it? How can we be saved? That's what he asked is, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. See the word believe? The Bible says the way we're saved is to believe in the Lord Jesus. And what that is, it really is simple. It's as simple as A and B and C. And the A is we admit to, to, be, to believe in Jesus and be saved is to admit we're sinners. Um, it's to, to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose. And then it's to commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. And I, I want you to notice that. See where it says believe in the Lord Jesus? See the word Jesus? That means Savior. So the way we're saved is when we say, Jesus, I'm not going to trust in myself anymore. I'm going to trust in you and what you did for me on the cross, your death and your resurrection. I'm trusting in you, not in me. It's transferring our trust from ourself to Christ. But notice, too, it says believe in the Lord Jesus. So it means we trust Jesus not only as, as Savior, we trust him as Lord. We say, listen, our rebellion against you stops today, and, and I want to follow you. Help me to follow you. So how is a person saved? The Bible says believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And I want you to know that's why I'm so thankful to be a Christian. I'm so thankful to be a Christian. You know why? Because religion says, religion says you have to be good to be saved. It says you have to be good to go to heaven. And listen, I don't stand a chance to go to heaven by being good because I'm not. Are you? But you know what Jesus says? Jesus says if we believe in him, we'll be saved. And listen, I can't admit I'm a sinner because I am. I can't believe and I can commit. I'm so thankful to be a Christian. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. We live in a canceled culture. We live in a canceled culture. And, and, and if you say one wrong thing, no matter how many good things you've done, if you say one 
wrong thing, you're canceled. And you know what? There is no grace. There is no way back. Man, I'm so thankful to be a Christian. I'm so thankful to be saved. To be saved, all I did was I admit, Jesus, you're right. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. All I did was believe, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. All I did was commit, Jesus, I'm trusting you for forgiveness. I'm trusting you for eternal life. I want you to be Lord. Help me be the person you want me to be. And you know what he did? Man, if you're not saved, don't you want to be? If you're not a Christian, won't you? Um, I'm so thankful to be a Christian every night. When I go to bed, I know I'm forgiven. Do you know how wonderful that is? And you know what's happened since Jesus has moved in? Jesus has helped free me from things I could never be free from on my own. You know what Jesus has given me? He's given me a purpose in my life big enough that every day of my life I can get up and be excited about it. You know what he's done in me? He's helped me to be a part of the healing of our land. You know why I'm so thankful to be a Christian? Because in the middle of a pandemic when so many people are afraid of death, I know I'm going to live forever. Wouldn't you like to know that too? What is salvation? Salvation is the forgiveness of our sins and the opportunity to do life in eternity with Jesus. Does that make sense to you? How do we get it? We believe. We admit and believe and commit. And listen, if you would like to receive the free gift of, of salvation, if you'd like to leave here tonight knowing you're forgiven and you're going to do life in eternity with Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that now. We're going we're gonna to close in prayer, and, and uh, here's what we're going to do. If you would like to, to admit and believe and commit, as we pray, I'm going to tell Jesus that this is what you'd like to do, and you could repeat after me. And, and if you put your faith in Christ, after we're through praying, I'm going to ask you if, if you'd raise your hand to say, listen, Smiley, today's the day I trusted Christ. Listen, don't worry about people peeking. No one's going to peek. And besides that, this is the most important thing you'll ever do. And I think it's helpful with us to respond, to say, yes, today's the day I decided to put my faith in Christ and not in myself. And if you do that, I, I would love to pray for you, okay? I'd love to pray for you, and then I'll pray for all of us, and, and we'll finish up. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth to save sinners like me, like all of us. Lord, thank you for dying in our place and thank you for rising and thank you for offering us salvation. Listen, if, if you'd like to be forgiven and do life in eternity with Jesus, he's here. And uh, won't you repeat after me as we tell Jesus you'd like this gift? Lord Jesus, I admit to you that I've sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come into my life and be my Savior and forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. 
Oh, if you've prayed that for the first time, way to go. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. If you prayed that for the, for the first time, would you raise your hand and just saying, hey, Smiley, today was the day that I put my faith in Christ. We'd love to, to know that and, and to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for those who, would you just leave your hand up as I pray for you, for those who, who, who raise their hand. Lord, I pray that you would assure them that when we believe, we are forgiven that we get to do life and eternity with you. Listen, won't you mark that on your card too as you put it in the box? We'd love to celebrate with you. And listen, it's really important. Find a church that preaches Jesus so that you can grow in knowing him. And Jesus, I pray for everyone here that everyone would leave here today filled with the wonder of our Savior, filled with the wonder that we have been saved through faith in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.